Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. The name of today's message is A Hope for the Nations. The Hope for the Nations. And we know that there is only one hope for the world. There's only one hope for our nation and every nation in this world, and it is Jesus. Amen? That definitely deserves some applause. We're going to take some time here today to discuss some of the specific areas that we as a church invest in bringing this hope to our community, to the nation, and to the nations around us. As I was thinking about this message, however, I I was thinking back to something that Pastor Dave has said a few times that has always stuck with me. He said that each one of us who are here in church are a product of the tithe, that we are a byproduct of someone's investment in the kingdom, that for us to be here today, it's because, because somebody invited us. Somebody spoke to us, somebody gave us the good news of Jesus, or maybe a family member of ours, or someone that came before us, but at some point, there was somebody who made an investment in the kingdom, and we are a byproduct of that investment, which means that we have an incredible part to play in God's purpose here on the earth, that we get to carry the hope of Jesus, the hope of who he is for the world around us. And so today, this is what we're celebrating The fact that we get to stand and we get to walk in the gospel of Jesus. The good news of Jesus. Can I tell you today that there is only one true gospel? That there is only one way to be saved. Jesus again said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the hope for the nations. He's the hope for each one of our lives. And when we realize that, we realize that there is something that we are meant to carry as his creation, as sons and daughters who know who we are in Christ. And as I was thinking about this, it took me back to John chapter 3. We have the account here of Jesus speaking to a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus is starting to be on the right track. He's come to Jesus because it seems to be that he's believing that Jesus and what he is teaching is the truth. Now, he comes in the middle of the night, so he wasn't maybe the most courageous Pharisee, but he did come to Jesus. He came to the right one. And as he's speaking with Jesus, Jesus shares with him that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, he must be born again. These two words, born again, they're words that I think inspire hope in the hearts of many, It inspires fear maybe for others because they're like, what are these born-agains going to do now? But really what born-again should do is that it should inspire fear in the gates of hell. It, It should tell the kingdom of darkness that there are those who know who they are in Jesus. They have been born again and now they carry the truth of who he is. This is the gospel that we get to carry. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And, and clearly Nicodemus is a little bit confused at that moment. He says, what does that mean to be born again? And so we're going to pick this account up in John chapter 3, starting in verse 4. Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his, into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water 
and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I love how Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, this teacher of the law, this guy who's supposed to have all the answers. Jesus doesn't give him a simple answer. He doesn't give him a straightforward, this is how you enter into the kingdom of God. He speaks to him about being born again because Jesus knows this is a concept that Nicodemus is really going to have to think about. He's going to have to allow this truth to sink in. That there is going to be a process for Nicodemus to go from being a teacher of a law to being a student once again and realizing who the true teacher is. But Nicodemus isn't convinced and he's not so sure about this. So in verse 9, Nicodemus says to Jesus again, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Jesus then takes... Nicodemus the Pharisee back to the book of Numbers into a story that we find which is very interesting it might be a little bit odd we find these stories sometimes especially in the Old Testament Israel is complaining they're murmuring and the result is that there are serpents that are sent into the camp and they are killing the Israelites they they recognize that they've done wrong and they go to Moses and they say Moses we've messed up can you help us fix this And so Moses goes to God and God says, I want you to create a serpent and I want you to put it on a pole. I want you to raise it up. And when they look upon the serpent, they will be healed. It's a very interesting story. It's very unique. And Jesus points back to this story and he speaks to Nicodemus and he says in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, the son of man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Eternal life. It's a phrase that we, I'm sure, throw around a lot in Christianity, but do we often stop to think about what eternal life with Jesus actually means? Sometimes I think we get a little bit afraid of eternal life because we wonder what we're going to be doing for eternity. And so we're just not so sure about it. But eternal life with Jesus, being restored and reconciled back with the God who made us, being brought back into the kingdom of light, being brought back from a place of brokenness into a place of restoration. This is what happens through Jesus. This is the good news. He goes on to say in verse 16, and I think a few of you might know this verse today, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Incredible verse. This, this is the bedrock. It's the foundation of our belief system. We just taught this, Jamie and I, to our, our children, to Caleb and Ellie, and they've got the hand motions to go along with it. John three sixteen. we learn this from the time that we're kids, because this is the hope that we have in Jesus, that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to be the substitute, to be the one who would come and take upon his back the weight of sin and shame and guilt and brokenness. And that as he went to the cross, as he was nailed to the cross, that he took all that on his back and that he rose again. This is the hope that we have in Jesus. It goes on to say in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The gospel, the good news of Jesus. 
whether you're here in person today or you're watching online, this is the incredible hope that we carry. But it's not just meant for us. It's not just meant to be something that we store away in the recesses of our mind with gratitude because we've been saved. It is something that we are meant to carry and to bring and to reproduce to the world around us. It is a truth that is light and that is hope to a world that is dark and broken and in many ways seems like it's without hope. It's the hope that we carry though. We are meant to be the light of the world. The light of the world, the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's who we're meant to be. We're meant to carry Jesus with us. And we know this. We know the truth of this word. We know that it's a reality. But how often are we taking this truth and looking at those around us and recognizing that there are people in our lives that are going to spend eternity separated from Jesus if they don't hear the truth? That heaven is real and so is hell. That life for eternity with Jesus is a reality for those who have accepted Jesus into their hearts, who have repented and invited him in as Lord and Savior. But there also is another reality. And that those do not choose to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That there is a life separated from Jesus. Do we recognize this? Are we aware of this? Do we see the world around us and realize that they need the hope of Jesus? This is who we are called to be. We're called to be the representation of Jesus on this earth. For this earth. For God so loved this world and this earth that he gave Jesus. He gave Jesus to us so that we would take Jesus and represent him well. That we would love others, that we would walk in grace. The incredible grace that he's made possible for us. It's the grace, it's by grace that we have been saved. I was thinking back to a song that we quoted a couple of weeks ago. It was written by an English Anglican clergyman and poet named John Newton in 1779 amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see see this is the truth at one point we were lost at one point we were without hope we were without a savior we were blind But when we met Jesus, we realized that we had never really seen before until we saw Jesus. And now we have the ability to see with clarity. You see, it's this idea of being lost that stands out to me today because there is a world that is lost and and often they don't recognize that they're lost. There's only one thing worse than being lost. It's not knowing that you're lost. Trying to find your way thinking you're going in the right direction, thinking that there are many options in many ways, and if you try hard enough, you'll find it. But that's not the reality, is it? I was thinking back to a story when I was a little bit younger in 2006, many, many years ago. I was helping out in a youth group. I was like, I guess you would call me the assistant youth pastor, and my buddy was the youth pastor, and he, he tasked me with this mission of helping our youth group get from Wappingers down to Baltimore, Maryland. There was a conference that was going on down there called the Choir of the Fire, and we were excited to go. But 2006 was basically the dark ages. There was no iPhone, 
So there certainly wasn't like handheld GPS that I could just hold and like type in an address. So I really only had a few options. Number one, I either had to know the way, which I most certainly did not. Two, I could read a map, but I was like 19 or 20 and a millennial, so that wasn't going to happen. Didn't know how to do that. So my third option was go to this website called MapQuest. A few of you are familiar with MapQuest. So I get the address. I mean, there was some internet, so I guess it wasn't really so bad. It wasn't maybe the Stone Age like I think that it was, but I typed in the address and I got the list of, of directions and I printed it out. And there was all of these like, you know, numbers on the page and, and you actually had to look at street signs as you were driving. You had to pay attention to like how many miles you had driven. It was a wild time. So somehow by the grace of God, we made it to our destination. I was so relieved. I felt so proud of myself. I don't remember anything about the conference. I'm just proud that we made it there. But here's the problem. I was also tasked with getting us back home, and I just figured, let me just read MapQuest backwards. <laughs> Who knows it doesn't work that way? I did not. My buddy still reminds me of this on a regular basis. Remember when we went to Baltimore and you thought you could just read the directions backwards? Yes, I do. So we started going north, I'm pretty sure. Maybe we found I-95, I don't know. Eventually, hours upon hours of driving in the dark, it's like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and we find ourselves in Manhattan. And I was like, is that ground zero? That's, that's interesting. At least it's something that I knew. So I had a landmark. So then I called uh, a dear friend of, of mine, a mother in my life, Gail Parecki, and I knew that she knew the city. I also knew that she was probably the only one that would take my phone call at that time. And she directed us back home from Manhattan back to, back to our home. There was a screaming baby the entire time. We were hungry. It was, it was a whole thing. But what I think back to when I think about this story is how often that this really represents what our lives look like when we're trying to, fi- trying to find our way home, trying to find our way back to something that makes sense, trying to have hope for what tomorrow is going to look like. See, many of us have been in that place, trying to find our way back, trying to find our way to a place that makes sense. And often there has been a person, there has been those who have come into our lives and they have helped us, that they've known the way back home, that they've been the voice to help guide us back to the place of being able to find where we were called to be. You see, this is what the church is meant to be. We're meant to be the ones that represent Jesus so well that we give hope to others, that we show them that there is a way. It is a way and it's available to them. Do you know how many people in this world feel like, yes, maybe there is a way, but it's not for me. There is a way, but I've, I've done so many things wrong. I could never earn it. I could never achieve it. I just have to figure out another way. Do you know that we as the church are meant to be the ones who know what grace actually is? so that we can operate in grace, so that we can communicate grace, so we can show people that it's not about how good you are, how great you can act, how saying the right words and doing the right things. It's about Jesus. It's about accepting the Savior of the world into our lives and allowing Him to be the one that transforms us from the inside out. This is the hope that we carry. 
There's another story that I think about. I was younger still. I was probably about nine years old. And we had gone to uh, Broadway. Me, my sister, who was probably six at the time, and my grandparents. And we had watched the show. It was amazing. And we were on our way back and we're walking through the crowded streets in December of New York City. And at one point we turn around and realize my sister wasn't with us. The fear that I still remember to this day, even just as her big brother, I can't imagine how my grandparents must have felt. The fear of losing my sister in the middle of this big city with millions of people. And so we frantically went back the way that we had come. And I remember we were going back across the street and some lady very helpfully yelled at us for jaywalking. And I thought my grandma was going to punch her in the face. (laughs) My grandma was the sweetest woman you'd ever meet, but I thought she was going to choose violence in that moment. But she said instead, we're looking for my granddaughter. And that same woman said, oh, I just saw a little girl right back there. And so we rushed back and we found my sister talking to this woman and we thanked her. And I don't know who this woman was. I don't know if she was an angel, truthfully speaking, because when we went to thank her and and ask her something, she was gone. Now it's a busy city, right? There's a lot that could happen, but who knows that when we are lost and in a time of need and we turn to Jesus to be our answer, that he provides what we need in that moment. There was the fear and the pain of losing something so valuable. And then there was the joy of of being reconciled back. Do you know that we are going to be reconciled back to everything that has been lost and stolen, whether it's in this life or the life to come? That that is the hope that we have in Jesus. And that is what we have to recognize each and every day of our lives. You see, we are meant to bring the hope of salvation It's a gift that is so incredible. We were once lost, but now we are found. And we get to share this amazing message of hope to every person around us. Now God is the one who needs to give us the wisdom on how to do this. The Holy Spirit is the one who speaks to us and gives us the wisdom and gives us the discernment on how to speak and what to speak and when to speak. But the question is, are we willing? I know there are so many in this church that are willing. I know so many of you are bold with your faith, but I would like to encourage you today that if you find yourself sitting here questioning, have I been bold with my faith? That you would allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to give you the courage and the boldness to speak boldly about what you believe, to bring the message of Jesus to a lost and to a hurting and dying world. We are meant to be a beacon of hope. We're meant to shine the light of Jesus. This is the purpose of our church. It's the pursuit of our church. We said very early on that we were meant to be a church in pursuit of His people, His promise, and His power. But we intentionally started with people because we know that there are people here, people in our families, people in our communities that need Jesus. That there are people around us that need to hear the message of Jesus. And we are meant to be the ones that would go out and to gather them to come in, to come to a place that feels like home. Whether it's this church or another church, our responsibility is to preach Jesus. To trust that His Spirit is going to lead us and guide us as we pursue His Spirit. And to recognize that there is power in our obedience. That there is power in what God wants to do through our lives. That there is power of transformation the moment that we say yes to Jesus. 
That is who we're meant to be as a church. And that's why I'm so excited to share with you a few things that we have been doing as a church body over the past year that has been made possible through you guys. It's made possible by your service. It's made possible by the investment of your time. And it's been made possible by the investment of your resources. I'm so excited to talk about some of these things because they represent dreams that are being fulfilled, but still, yet, they are here, and we believe that God is taking us here. There are so many things that God has done through this church already, but I believe personally that there is so much yet to come. Do you agree with me today? I will settle for the 50% today. We'll ask another question like it. I hope you're ready for the next time. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about today is our gathering food pantry. This was a dream that was on my heart and the hearts of others in our church. And early on, I went, on to, I went to go speak with George and, and Carrie Andrews, and I talked to them about it. And since then, they've developed an amazing team of over 25 individuals who come week in and week out to serve our community, to serve men and women and children who come into the doors of this church needing to find hope, to find something natural in in food and, and the substance of what we're giving to them, but to be able to find people who love them. And that's what our food pantry is doing week in and week out. And it's an amazing, amazing ministry. And I just want to tell you a little bit about it today. Over the last 10 months, the food pantry has served over 20,000 pounds of food. 20,000 pounds. I wanted to think about an example that I could bring on the stage today to represent 20,000 pounds, but we would reach our capacity on the stage. But 20,000 pounds is the equivalent of an adult African male elephant. So really big, really heavy, okay? Uh, We have served over 360 individuals and 90 families that we've been able to reach out to. And as I said, it's not just with food, but it's with prayer. It's with love. It's with hope. It's with open arms. We've seen salvations. We've seen, we've seen people being prayed for and ministered to on a regular basis. And so I just want to stop here for a moment and thank everybody who has been a part of the food pantry, whether you've contributed or you've been one serving on the front lines. I just want to thank you today for all that you've done. It really is a huge blessing. This past week, the food pantry gave away 18 turkeys to families, which is just so incredible. And just continuing along that vein, we also have our Thanksgiving outreach that is headed up by Lisa and Val Andrews. And I think they're just trying to make sure that their brother George doesn't get all the credit here today. So they, they for the last... I don't know how many years I've been collecting gift cards and donations to be able to serve families in our, in our church that need to be able to, to have some extra resource to celebrate Thanksgiving. And it's been an amazing way to bless families in our church. It's been incredible and once again made possible because of your generous giving into these areas. Last year we did over $3,400. I hear we're on pace to eclipse that mark here this year in how we're being able to serve our families. The turkeys that we're giving away are coming through this ministry. Uh, this Thursday we're having Thanksgiving here at the church and there's turkeys that have been donated from that so we can put that on for free. It really is so exciting to see how you guys are coming through in this area. Another area and somebody I like to brag on when I get a chance to because he hates it is Pastor Jeff. He's hiding his face right now somewhere. 
he and an incredible team of, of over 10 individuals have gone into this place called Tubman Terrace locally in our community. It's a community that we've gone into a few times to be able to reach the children of that community. And I've said this before, Pastor Jeff, deal with it. He is amazing with children. He gets out there and he starts talking to these kids and he's playing these games with them. And it's just incredible to see it in action. And because of this, we're investing in the lives of young people. This is a community that doesn't have whole families. It's not represented with mothers and fathers and they need people to come into their lives and to be able to invest in them. And we get to do that and to bring them school supplies and book bags and Bibles for these children to read. Who knows that touching the lives of even one of these young people is worth everything that we have. And that who knows what God wants to do through them. We also have alpha courses that we're bringing to local colleges. We are in one college in particular right now. We saw 15 to 20 students come out the very first night, and we're so excited to have the opportunity to do that. And we don't want to just keep it to one college. We want to bring it to every college in our area. If you were here last week and you came back this week, thank you. Um, if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. But, but we talked about some of the universities and what they're doing in this nation right now. Who knows that we can sit back and we can complain about what's being taught in the universities or we can volunteer to be a part of the solution and to go in there and to bring the message of Jesus and hope. This is not in my notes today, but I just want to encourage you that what we want to do as a church is that we want to create those to empower those in our church who would be willing to go out into every area of our community into the schools, into the workplaces, into the friendly environments, into the environments that are a little bit not so friendly, to every place around us to recognize that God wants to use you to reach people for eternity. And I just want to encourage you with that again here today. We have our outcome, Overcomer Outreach that uh, with Ron and Nancy Key who help individuals overcome substance abuse. We have our home repair ministry led by Jose Morales and Skip Hoover who go into homes of those who can't really afford to do the changes or don't have the expertise and they're able to go into these homes and to fix things free of charge and to actually fix them. Like if it was me, I'd go in with a hammer. It wouldn't really look very good when I was done. Ask Jamie how I am at painting. Not so good. But they go in with skills and expertise and their team and they go in and they help these families. And it's an incredible ministry of using the gifts that God has put on their lives to be able to help serve others. This past year, we also took place, took part in Fall Fest, where we had over 3,000 people come out to hear the love of Jesus through the pamphlets that we were handing out and their registration and to just serve and love on the community. It was an incredible time. We also had something called Love Our City. Anyone remember Love Our City this year? Amazing time. We went out and we brought food to the first responders in our community. We brought lunch to them. We went and we restored a park. We brought, bought school supplies and packed them up to give to children in our community. And we did a few other things as well. And this year it's going to grow even more. We're going to do even more this year because we want to reach the people around us with the hope of Jesus. You see, these things are so exciting, but they're really just the beginning. One of our core values as a church, number nine, is that we would be a church known for our generosity. 
That we would be a church who is known to love our city, our community, and our families well. That's who we want to be. But we don't stop there because we realize that there is so much that we can do, but also only so much we could do. And so we partner together with other ministries as well. We've been partnering together with a few for quite a few years now, and one of them is CareNet. And you might see a slideshow on the back of just the Walk for Life that we like to host for them each year because we believe in what CareNet is doing. CareNet is an organization who comes alongside uh, new mothers, unexpected mothers, and gives them answers and hope and resource, who serves these young mothers with opportunities to be able to choose life to be able to know what they are doing and to be able to not just give them an option to give them a few dollars, but they walk with them and they support them and and they drive them to doctor's appointments. And it's an incredible ministry that we get to support and we support week in and week out. And a lot of it is because of your faithful giving. We support CareNet and we also support other ministries like Love Inc. who engage local churches to transform lives and our community in the name of Christ. I wanted to share a video with you here today of Love, Inc. to tell you a little bit more about who they are. We are Love, Inc. That's not incorporated, but rather in the name of Christ. We are a non-denominational ministry on a mission to mobilize local churches to transform lives and communities in the name of Christ. Simply put, we help churches help people. Why? Because we believe there's nothing more powerful than churches working together as the body of Christ. As the body of Christ, every Christian church, regardless of denomination, is called to serve their neighbors and share their resources. They are called to walk with people who are struggling within their walls and out in their community. So where do we come in? Love, Inc. connects the calling of local churches to the struggles of the community. Here's how Love, Inc. works. A community member with a need calls a local church. This could be a simple request, like diapers for their child or food for their family or something bigger, like a bed for their daughter, a ride to a medical appointment, or some other type of support. And they ask, can you help me? The church can say, yes, we partner with other churches so that we can. Call Love, Inc. to learn more. So they call, and we pick up. We listen to them. We get to know them, their strengths and struggles, their hopes and dreams. We want to know about more than their current crisis, because we're not just about meeting needs. We're about meeting people where they're at and caring for them holistically. Then, through Love, Inc.'s network of churches and community relationships, we work to help. Diapers are provided by one church, groceries by another, Rides are arranged with caring church volunteers, while classes and mentoring are provided by others. And it's all coordinated by Love, Inc. So at every step, our neighbors are met with dignity and respect, while our partner churches are free to focus on serving according to their strengths, knowing that each individual will be fully cared for by the body of Christ within their community. The result? Transformed lives transformed churches and transformed communities will you join us in this work visit loveinc.org to find out more or contact your local love inc to get connected in your community
an amazing ministry and one that we are proud to be a part of and to support. We also have two others that I'd like to, to mention here today. One is the Walter Hoving Home. The Walter Hoving Home is a ministry that, that we've partnered together with many years, and they believe in quite a few values, but three of them are restoration, faith, and love. What the Walter Hoving Home does is they minister to young women and to women of all ages who are dealing with substance abuse, many coming from really difficult situations. And they bring them in and they love on them and they help to restore them to a place where they are able to not just be freed from the addiction, but also to walk forward into a new life, a new vocation, to have skills that they leave with. And they do an incredible job of that. And so Walter Hovinghome is a ministry that we are proud to serve and connect with. And we have a video that we're going to be playing uh, on our website and after the service if, you're more, if you want more information about them. We've also printed out on our handouts today uh, information on each one of these ministries that you'd be able to support them as well. Uh, there's another one called TLC, Transformation Life Center, that we are so proud and, and grateful to be a part of. Um, there are those that come to our church that have been a part of this program, and we are so grateful for what they are able to do in walking with men to come out of substance abuse and to be able to mentor them and to be a part of their lives. And they also have a booth that's set up outside of those doors when you leave here today if you want more information. And we'll also have a video that we'll share on our website for them as well. But we know that we can be a part of helping to serve these ministries that are giving so much of their time in really specialized ways to be able to reach people that maybe we wouldn't be able to on a regular basis. And we're so grateful for these ministries. We're grateful for the men and the women who make them possible. And we want to stand with them, to support them, to pray for them, to believe for what God wants to do through them with wisdom, with discernment, with power, and with the provision that we know that they need to run these amazing ministries. Amen? And of course, we don't stop there because we recognize that we have a part to play here as the gathering. We recognize that there are ministries in our community that we want to support and to love on. But we also realize that there is a world around us. There's a world outside of here that we have the ability to support that we have the ability when we can't go ourselves to send others to be the voice, to send and to spread the gospel. And so if you notice here on the side screens, we have uh, so many of our nations that we support represented here on the screens. And we're going to play these each and every week as a reminder to lift these nations up in prayer. Maybe you know somebody in these nations. Maybe you know someone ministering in these nations. Maybe one of these nations represents you and your heritage. Well, we want to recognize what God is doing, not just here in New York, not just here in America, but around the world. And so I ask as you see these uh, flags going by that you would lift them up in prayer, that you would pray for those that God has sent out into the mission field. We know the word of God says, how can they hear the message if no one goes and brings it to them? Blessed are the feet that bring them the good news of the gospel. Well, we want to be those who are sending men and women out that are supporting families as they go out to bring the gospel of Jesus to the world around us. And so today I want to play a few videos of some testimonies from specific missionaries that we support around the world and that are made possible because of your faithful giving and prayer. Let's play those videos now. 
Yudmile Falcha, a Yaldak Nahalaba, Ishinia Miguel, a Caristiona Hupdo, missionary in Go Alaba. A hundred thousand welcomes from the Highlands of Scotland. We are Mike and Tina Hook, and we are your missionaries to Scotland. We are delighted to greet you in Scots Gaelic, a language which is being taught here to children. In most cases, it is their first language. Our hearts are for the people all over the Highlands who uh, don't know Jesus. In fact, 98% of people here have never heard the simple message of the gospel. The, the revivals of the past are just that, past. Most young families here don't attend church at all. We are honored that our kids club is mostly made up of non-church kids. God has blessed us really amazingly in that. We're also really blessed by you all. Yes. We would be remiss in not saying thank you to the gathering at Faith Assembly. Thank you. <laughs> you have faithfully supported us for many, many years, both in finance and maybe even more importantly, in prayer. Every person we reach here with the gospel are credited to your account. So thank you. We will be back on itineration in mid to late 2024, and we really hope to connect with everyone then. In the meantime, Marshalev Agustapalev. Goodbye and thank you. Hey, Faith Assembly, this is Joe and Mary Benacasa, your missionaries to Napoli, Italy. Some of you may remember us. We were members of Faith Assembly for many years and grew up in the Hudson Valley. Well, Napoli is better known as Naples in the States, and Naples is a tough city. With a little over one million people, it is Italy's third largest city. And because it's home to the modern-day mafia, the Camorra, it is filled with violence and corruption. Right now, there are no English-speaking evangelical churches located within the city limit, which is really a shame as there are thousands and thousands of English speakers here. Many of the immigrants from Europe, Asia, Africa, even South America come here are English speakers. Plus, there are over 10,000 U.S. service personnel stationed at one of the three military bases located in the city. Napoli needs an English-speaking church desperately. We returned to Napoli on October 20th to start an English-speaking Pentecostal church. And right now, we are looking for a building to house this church and really would appreciate your prayers. Finding a commercial building to rent in this city has not been easy, and so many doors have been closed to us. We need the Lord's intervention. We have great plans for 2024. Besides getting the church started, we are planning a three-day women's retreat in May. We're bringing in special speakers from New York, California, and Florida to assist us with this and hope to recruit 100 women from the city to come and be a part of it. Again, your prayers are greatly appreciated. So thank you, friends, for your wonderful support and prayers. We could not do this without you partnering with us. May the Lord bless you for your generosity. Grazie tante. Ciao. Hola from Uruguay. Hi, we're the McCarthys, Steve and Jill. We have Lucas and Joshua and Julia. I once heard it said, impossible is where God starts. Miracles are what he does. This term, we saw how true these words were. We were just days away from having our first teams arrive, launching our new initiative, Hope for Uruguay 100. 
a desire to establish 100 new churches here in Uruguay and then build 100 sanctuaries for these new and growing congregations. And yet, just as we were about to launch, COVID hit. Borders were closed, financial challenges arose. We wondered, is it really the right time to launch something of this magnitude? And yet, we couldn't shake the thought that there were so many lost people, desperate people, that needed to know Jesus. And so we decided to move forward and trust Him. And we've been so amazed by His faithfulness, by the miracles that He's done in these places. Many of the faces of the people you are seeing are faces of those who have come to know Him. 35 new churches that were recently planted and 20 new sanctuaries that have been built. Love you guys. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for all that you do. So lost people in the United States and around the world get to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Gracias. Hello, I am Dr. Eric Morgan. Uh, grown up here in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, belong to Sojourners United. Uh, 50 years ago, seems a long time ago, uh, but I remember at that time period, Israel had been attacked and uh, uh, gas prices had gone through the ceiling. Inflation was uh, at, at just going off the charts. It was the time period, though, that my family began to make personal commitments to Christ. Forty-five years ago, uh, I actually followed through and made a decision to follow Jesus each day the rest of my life. It was also the time period that we started attending Faith Assembly on Hooker Avenue. It's been a part of our life ever since that time period. Now uh, we enter a season where, again, as Israel is being attacked, people are being displaced left and right, almost 100 million worldwide, the most ever, and that number continues to climb and, uh, each and every day. To that mission, my wife and I have been called. My wife started going to the Middle East in 2016. ISIS was attacking Iraq, and she felt led to go there. She actually was willing to go into ISIS camps to share Christ, even if it meant uh, losing her life. Thank you for your generosity. Anything that comes in, we will pivot around to try and get out to people to show, to show them tangibly, while also reaching out in God's name, sharing them the love and hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, and just as I have been encouraged by you, I want to encourage you each and every day to be deliberate, intentional, to see what you can do to make a difference. God bless you. Thank you for your support. And have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Dr. Eric, would you stand here today so we could just thank you for the work that you're doing in the Middle East? Thank you very much. We're going to hear more next week about what God is doing through their amazing family. Each one of those faces on that screen, the children, the adults in those pictures, the, the people that we're talking about in these different areas, they are being able to be reached with the gospel in large part because of individuals like you who are willing to invest in the kingdom. See, we as a church... We run on the support of our congregants. We believe in the tithe. We believe in offering. We believe in generous giving. We need it to be able to run a church. 
but we also want to be wise with what God is giving us and we want to invest it back into our community, into those who need to hear the message of Jesus around the world. 